Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. 70% of Twitter's top advertisers have canceled or reduced their spending, which means more ads coming to your favorite podcasts. Hi, kids. You're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast Does Recruitment Marketing. I'm your co-host, Joel Unskippable Cheeseman. This is Chad GPT Sowash. This is Julie, and Chad stole my middle name today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kelly. Shit. Oh, uh, Chad GPT. Chad GPT. Chad, that's right. Anyway, so on this week's show, Chad GPT's benefits to recruiting starts taking shape. Oscar the Grouch gets a job, and Elon is still off the rails. Let's do this. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. What's up, kids? How's the snowpocalypse in uh, the Northeast, Julie? Oh, I'm enjoying it. It's March and it's snowing. <laughs> and, and you can't see her, but she is she is cozy. Yeah. Yes, I got my warm sweater on. I got the heat turned <laughs> up. It is chilly here today. Velveteen rabbit sweater. No, just the yes, velvet. Yeah. Yes, wrapper in velvet, everybody. That's what <laughs> state of Julie Cowley. Shout out. I'll go first. My shout out goes to Elena Valentine, Abby Cheeseman, and all those crazy kids over at Skill Scout. So if you've been watching, and I know you have, Julie, um, Skill Scout did an amazing video series for VF Brands, the, the same brand that's the umbrella uh, over Vans, right? Which is a, a cult brand organization. And they have put out some of the slickest, smoothest, cult brand, beautiful videos for employment uh, employer brand that i think i have ever seen are you a shareholder uh, what what in the world oh, no I, I i got it. i'm, I'm <laughs> i hope i hope i get some shares off of this jesus all right all right all right they're doing a great job uh but i, I what i'm seeing here is a, a huge divide in in companies feeling like they have to do and to do this well we have to do these slick really beautiful videos or we can do these, you know, TikTok like style videos. And, and, and personally, I think there's room for both. What, what do you think, Julie? Yeah, I mean, the TikTok style is very authentic, right? It, it usually, mm -hmm. you know, you got a messy bedroom in the background and it's okay. That's <laughs> it, it's short. People aren't over examining it. Um, it's more about the human connection and the and the communication. Mm -hmm. But these overstyled ones, right, where they're they're very structured and they're very branded and there's a lot of opportunity to be creative with those oh yes 
Um, but it's almost like stock imagery. Like if you see somebody, you know, perfectly stock photo, it's like, ah, that, that doesn't look real. <laughs> and you just look past it. Um, trying to keep authentic and creativity in something that's produced, that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. Well, VF Brands, in this case, they actually had SkillScout out. They were doing um, uh, rock climbing. They were at the skate park. They did all these things with – so it wasn't stock. These are things that, that SkillScout actually did with the brand, and the brand felt that that embodied them and the people that work with them. And, and they showcased individuals who work with them that are – climbing rocks and running marathons and that kind of shit. So it was, it was really cool. It was incredibly authentic, but it was so slick. And it was one of those things where it's just like, Oh, I've, I've maybe I should check out jobs at that company. Yeah, That's good storytelling. You had me at Cheeseman, frankly, after that, it was, it was all butter <laughs> after that one. Not related to Joel, by the way, just so everybody Not knows. There's a, there's a cheese minute job case now. So they're, they're, they're reproducing. Uh, it's getting very crazy. Uh, it's gotta oh, be a sad, it's gotta be a sign of the apocalypse. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to, uh, to our friends at Workday. Most people have seen Workday's new ad, which premiered during the Super Bowl. Uh, but critics mm-hmm. have been largely complimentary of the advertisement. USA Today ranked it in the top 10 of their ads. The Washington Post put it in the top five. And Ad Age ranked the ad at number six with one expert saying, quote, I started with no idea what Workday does. In the end, it was fun enough for me to search what is Workday. Little victories. The stock price, however, is down 3% (laughs) since the ad Mm. uh, went live at Super Bowl. So you can't win them all. But for the most part, shout out to Workday for their advertisement. They should have used the money to actually build a, a, a recruitment system that's worth a shit. That would have been fucking awesome. Oh, you're such a wet blanket. <laughs> Julie. Um, well, you know, shout out to all of the poor people out there who are trying to manage not having their paychecks because of uh, SVB. Silicon Valley Bank. Um, I've heard some incredible stories of, you know, CEOs taking their own money to fund their own payroll at their organization. And, you know, shout out to them and all the people that are significantly disrupted by this. Mm -hmm. I feel for all of them. By the way, shout out to the the folk. I know uh, Aaron Matos over at Paradox and a few other executives came to, to LinkedIn and said, hey, if you're connected to SVB and need some advice or maybe a a short term loan, um, hit me up. So it was cool to see the community sort of gather around uh, potential victims of uh, of that meltdown. So shout out to uh, anyone on LinkedIn or in the community that helped those that may have been hurt by the meltdown. Yeah. Let's move on to chat GPT, shall we? Because we can't get enough of chat GPT, <laughs> although I don't think we've covered it extensively on this show. So let's talk about a recent article uh, on Recruitix. From Corey Kapner, uh, he created a detailed article on how employers should begin thinking about ChatGPT. As companies turn to invest in technology to improve recruitment practices, ChatGPT is learning from conversations it has with people and uses reinforcement understanding to answer questions, write code, gather information, write copy, and more. The tool can be used to create job descriptions enhance employer branding, improve email marketing, stay ahead of trends, communicate with candidates, manage social media, and create all kinds of content. Its benefits include streamlining processes and maximizing productivity. 
Julie, what is your take on the evolving technology that is chat GPT? Well, first of all, I'm not surprised Corey put this article out. Um, if, if you don't know Corey, he's probably one of the most huggable people in the industry. Usually a line to talk to him if I ever go anywhere with him. Um, so great job on putting this out, especially focusing towards our industry. Um, there are so many use cases for it, and we haven't even fully discovered them all. I, I feel like just a few months ago, it was a question of like, have you tried ChatGPT yet? And now I can't go five minutes without hearing it. Um, it's everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. And I absolutely love all these conversations because I, I'm so curious how people are using it. Um, we, you know, there's some obvious things that we can use it for in the industry. Definitely a lot of things around content, but there's even the opportunity and solutions out there now that help pick imagery for you as well. A really mm -hmm. time consuming thing, right? You write an article, now you got to find an image that goes with it. Uh, so this is incredible that this is going to accelerate a lot of ability to produce content, but we're already producing so much content. So how is this going to um, impact people's lives and that we have this so accessible to us now, right? I feel that this is going to disrupt how we use search engines. That obviously Microsoft's putting that directly into Bing, for search, they're mm -hmm. already integrating it into Microsoft Word docs. So you can produce content in that way. And colleges are even starting to approve that people can use it to write their papers as long as a certain percentage of it does not exceed. So we're adapting to having this very quickly. Um, I, I can envision very quickly ATS is saying, oh, you need to post a job. Just what job is it? Automatically writes a job for you. Um, you need to create a website. Tell us about your company, automatically produces a website for you. There's so many ways that this is going to change how we do work right now. So you're, you're at the interesting nexus of practitioners and vendors. How do you see ChatGPT evolving? Because when you look at like sourcing, for example, right? Like how do you manipulate Google and DuckDuckGo and it, back in the day of, of finding people and then companies eventually came around like seek out hire tool etc that did the the bullion searches for you how do you see this are both going to use it in tandem will we see the individual users first and then the companies come in like how is this going to evolve from uh from your perspective i would say we're trying to create as seamless as we can experiences to the user so if you view yourself as a user then what do you have access to? So I see a future in which access to be able to um, use something like this to search all the people that are out there by skill is a license, is an access. Um, being able to search all the jobs out there using this type of intelligence is access. Um, so people for recruitment, people for dating, real estate. I mean, anything that you can think of in which we use lists and that we research against that, that is going to be elevated to us just simply asking for it. So there's lots of opportunities, not just in like job search and job journey. Um, because people sometimes move when they look for an, a new job. Oh, I, I'm happy to go to a new location. So if you think you could string all of those things together, uh, find me the best job for me based on my skills, find me 
um, the best manager to work with based on the feedback that other people have given towards that type of manager, and then find me the best house for me to live in based on my criteria. Like it can start to really deliver entire maps of information back to you if it has access to all of those things. You mentioned ATS's writing job descriptions, and that would just sort of be a part of that. To me, to me that screams disruption. And if I'm making a short list of who's going to be disrupted by this, um, like Textio comes to mind, who does job descriptions. Now they do it, in, and they're expensive. Do, very expensive. <laughs> doing it, you know, it's a new, unique way. But if I'm doing a cost mm-hmm. analysis, like, is it better to just use this this new tool than I am paying? So, what kind of disruption do you see? Any companies that come to mind? Like, oh shit, they better pivot or figure it out or else this this technology is really going to be tough to, to maneuver around. Well, just because AI can produce content doesn't make it good. Um, and then if everybody's having content produced by artificial intelligence, is it all the same? So getting a really unique output is going to be important. Otherwise, AI is answering the same question over and over with the same answer. And if everybody's producing that as content and calling it their own, there's going to be a lot of duplication. Um, So the real skill with ChatGPT is to be able to get your own unique outputs of that, giving it the right prompts. So get a unique output. Wouldn't you say many employers copy and paste job descriptions and just kind of tweak them from the net? I mean, unique content (laughs) is not unique in job descriptions. Right, but well, it doesn't make it any better. Then it just it, we're just regurgitating the old right, same just doing shit. It easier. It's garbage in, garbage out. Oh, and people do it now, right? They go Google yeah. or go on LinkedIn or Indeed, and they search for a job that's similar to the one they're looking right. for, and they copy it, and then they edit it. Um, you know, so many of us are guilty of that, um, me included sometimes. But uh, so you 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 do that, but then you have to make it unique to yourself. Well, that's where creativity comes into. I do think we'll get to those points of creativity, but this is often where people are bringing in creative agencies to help them identify what is my employer brand, right? What is my value proposition? Is AI going to be able to figure that out for you? Mm, I don't know. That takes a level of creativity, usually that we have humans involved with. So can it go that far? Can it write a job description? Black and white, A, B? Sure. But can it put in a selling value factor for a human to spark an emotion? I guess that's what we're going to be challenging it with. So are there companies that are going to be disrupted by this because some of their value may be diminished? Yes, I do think that that will happen. But where it will elevate out is the creative part, where AI can't be humanly creative. You take a look at job descriptions and the expectations are are very low because they're garbage for the most part. Uh, and then you take a look at CVs, resumes, that kind of thing. So when you start talking about matching, we we still have the same pro- problem that we had before chat GPT. And that's we have garbage data, period. So if we want chat GPT to work off of garbage data, then we're just going to get it, it's just a different way to get the same result. We're just going to get garbage back in a different form. It's the same stuff. So, you know, I, I think from a chat GPT standpoint, you know, there are the, the, the coders, the, the contents, the people that are making content, so on and so forth. I agree that there's going to have to be some human intervention to ensure that they're, they're, they're getting great and quality content, not just 
not just uh, quantity, but it's all about quality. Uh, but when it comes down to our domain specific, being able to do all those things that you were talking about, I, I could see where it could perspectively, you know, talk about um, going to Zillow to look for, for, you know, for, for homes in this area and so on and so forth. But it is not ready. It is not even close to ready to be able to match the, the domain models that we have in recruiting in, in our vendor space. So uh, I, I'm interested to see on the general where we can use it and how we can use it. But when we start talking about, and this is where we really have to educate our industry, is if you're looking for this to do something as specific as you were talking about, it, the expectations, no, <laughs> it will not. And if it does, it's going to spin out garbage. So just get 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 ready for the garbage, um, but it'll learn. It'll learn, but it, it's not ready for that. Julie, you've seen some fads come and go from uh, Twitter jobs to QR codes to you name it. Is this a fad to you? Will we not be talking about this in a year? Or if if we will continue talking about it, why? Does this technology really matter? Should people not think of it as a passing fad? I don't think I'd call it a fad. It's I, I think it's more that we are talking about chat GBT but this is really artificial intelligence, right? And it's doing it in a, a textual use case. Now that that's great, but it, it's going to expand in every direction. It's going to be with images, with videos. Words are just one part of it. So artificial intelligence is is not going to be a fad. It's it's a future for us, and it's going to become like a leg and an arm. We're not going to look at it as a fad. It's going to be like, oh yeah, and then it was introduced to our lives, and nothing was the same, just like the internet, right? Internet was like a big boom thing. And like, was it, oh, it's going to go away. No, nope. <laughs> it's going to be here forever. It's going to evolve. And I, and I think that's that's the case. So it, it's not something to ignore. So for me, like there was email that made you go like, oh shit, that's important. Search, that's important. Social media, mobile. Would you put that, would you put this in the same buckets as sort of those innovations? Yes. Okay. I would. And, and and I think it's actually rises above all of them. Wow. Because the future is that we are the Jetsons, right? And we're just yelling out into our house like toothbrush, right? And the toothbrush appears because uh, your little Roomba bot went in and got it for you and brought it to you. Like legit, like the future is that we can just say things out loud and, and artificial intelligence will be able to communicate with the Internet of Things that are in our household and turn our coffee pots on and make sure our refrigerator is running at an optimal temperature and then communicate to Instacart that we are running out of milk and it needs to be delivered. Like everything is going to communicate with each other and we're going to be have a future state where we just say things out loud and they happen for us. Julia is, is uh, describing the movie Wally, by the way. Uh, that's already, that's pretty much, uh, you know, mostly the case in China now. I'm just not sure that the Internet of Things and that connectivity here in the US is going to be something that is as embraced as quickly just from as uh, privacy rolls out. Uh, the Jetsons are, are, are great, but uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'd, I'd take my disconnected TV instead of a smart TV. I'll, Plug in my Roku when I need it. Are we dating ourselves with the Jetsons? I feel like the, the young folks <laughs> Maybe I did. won't know what the hell <laughs> we're talking George about. Jetson. Uh, meet Julie Jetson. And There's my, my call. Right? Yeah. When we get back, we'll talk about another historical figure from our childhood. 
Oscar the Grouch. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. All right, kids. United Airlines has a new employee. They've launched a consumer education <laughs> campaign to raise awareness of the benefits of s- sustainable aviation fuel which is made from used cooking oil and agricultural waste and to help them spread the word Sesame Street's Oscar the Grouch has been named as its first chief trash officer. The campaign includes more than 30 pieces of original video, digital, social and out of home content featuring Oscar alongside real United employees. No word yet on whether Oscar will be featured in job descriptions, recruiting campaigns, or perform deep fake interviews with candidates, but it could actually be a thing. Chad, what's your take on Oscar the Grouch becoming United Airlines' newest employee? I think it's got a cool spin, I, but when they teased it, uh, the first uh, the first few days, I think there was like a three-day kind of like soft launch. They said nothing other than they were talking about a chief trash officer. And the last thing I want to have associated with my brand is trash. There was literally, there was no understanding of, okay, why are we talking about this brand and trash at the same time? Now, Oscar the Grouch, cute little guy, still in a trash can. I mean, if it would have been me and I said right out of the, when they were teasing this, I, I would have gone with the cookie monster and would have been, you know, chief snack officer or something of I that like nature. The count. Then, yeah, the count. <laughs> Cheaper prices with the count. More revenue. Ah, ah, ah. Then they launched it and it made sense. So it was like, okay, well that that's that's cool. But still, trash, my brand, I get the end goal, but I'm still I'm I'm still not hundred percent on this one. Oh no. Are you a you're a sell on Oscar the Grouch? I'm more of the count or cookie monster on this one. Julie, what's your take on Oscar? I I gotta say, you know, chief trash officer. Like, I've heard a lot of strange chief titles, and uh, that was definitely raised my eyebrow. Like, what are they talking about? So I'm with Chad at first. I was like, why would any brand associate trash? And are you calling your CTOs trashy? (laughs) Right? Like, what is that? Yeah. If I'm a CTO, I'm like, wait a minute. But the very question of why use trash, the answer is what the whole campaign is about. Yeah. And, and and I think that's pretty smart in questioning that, you know, making him a representative of something that actually has value. Uh, but what really I think is incredible about this campaign is like corporate social responsibility is like layered in here, but in an interesting way that they're trying to use um, social responsibility in finding ways to um, convert trash into fuel and also let people invest in that. I find that really interesting. It's like, yes, we're investing in it, but you can join us in this journey and invest in this as well. And I think that's an incredible way to build a cult brand of people who care about the 
the planet and the future and want to get us off of fossil fuels can get behind a company and a cause. So this absolutely screams cult brand to me because they're bringing it all together in this campaign. Well, stick with me for a minute, though. So instead of CTO, they could have easily teased it as CFO, Chief Fuel Officer. You wouldn't have had the association with trash, right? You could have actually talked about it and why. The tease was, why the hell is Oscar the Grouch going to be the CFO? You know what I mean? And then you lead into it and you're like, oh, Chief Fuel Officer. Then you don't have that that that. Tr- Rash. I, I don't know. I just think it could have been much better. I say CMO, Chief Muppet Officer, would be <laughs> my opinion. That is a buy from Julie Kelly, by the way. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in here. Who who loves the environment? Millennials and Gen Z. And who does United want to recruit? Millennials and Gen Z. And who doesn't love Sesame Street? Hell, most millennials are still sitting around watching Sesame Street. So I say this is a good move and making Oscar an employee instead of a consultant or pundit is a solid decision in my book. I hope they take this to the next extreme and put Oscar in employer branding campaigns. ESG plus Sesame Street equals recruiting gold in my book. I also... Emma Bai on Oscar the Grouch as C-T-O. Now let's go to Oscar the Grouch to maybe the ultimate Grinch. Elon Musk is in the news, everybody. Ooh, nice transition there. All right, Elon Musk. (laughs) Imagine that. Elon Musk engaged in a Twitter dispute with a former Twitter designer who founded the design agency Uenio which Twitter acquired in 2021. The designer who has muscular dystrophy tweeted Musk asking if he was laid off, but Musk replied by questioning his work and disability. The two engaged in a bitter argument with Musk ultimately revealing that the designer was not fired because he wasn't working in the first place. More from Elon. He is reportedly planning to build a company town called Snailbrook, where workers from his companies can live in homes rented out by the world's richest man. 35 miles from Austin, Texas, rents are expected to start at $800 per month for a two or three bedroom home below market rates for the area. But if you're fired, they only give you 30 days to move your shit out of town. Chad, what do you make of the current state? of your boy, Elon Musk. Imagine that Elon coming up with this idea of a company town. (laughs) He's going off the rails on so many different, in so many different areas. I mean, he, I think he even, um, offered to buy SVB, you know, and it's just, yeah. So, I mean, you just, you can't, you can't take anything that he says and, and actually try to put it into reality until it actually happens. So, you know, the, the guy's obviously incredibly smart, you know, Tesla is not a bad organization. He's putting, you know, spaceships and, you know, to uh, up in space and they're, and they're, they're landing back here at home. So uh, a very smart guy, but my God, he, he is gone to crazy town and that's what they should name this instead of snail book it should be called crazy town he's like a walking example of what every chief people officer of head of hr would say don't do that right like don't this is i'd advise against this if he had somebody hovering around him all day they'd be like don't do that don't say that don't like he's a walking poster child for that 
And yet he still has an incredible following of people who view him as a cult type leader. So I, I find him to be just so different in this way. People love him, follow him, fandom him. And yet he's doing all the things that you're not supposed to do as a leader. Um, like I would never, ever advise somebody to get in a Twitter public battle with one of your employees that has a disability and challenge them about their disability. Oh my goodness. Right. That what a dangerous area that is. Um, yet he did it. <laughs> so I, I, I just am constantly in awe and in shock of him doing things the way he just wants to do them. And he maintains a following. He has 13. 13- hundred uh, direct employees and over 110,000 impacted by all of the companies that he um, he's invested in. So he's got a substantial amount of people that work under his leadership. Um, and if, if you're one of those people, if you're one of those people working for Tesla, SpaceX, the boring company, like how do what do you think about like there's nothing good about this from an employer employer perspective the last earnings call for tesla my man was so unfocused sort of reading from a script i mean totally uninspired and we talked about united uh and oscar the grouch at least they stand for something that people care about like what elon is getting into the quagmire it's like napoleon going into russia i mean there's nothing that he, the hubris has taken over He's he's gonna get slaughtered for this. They need a CEO for Twitter so he can step away from this as soon as possible. We're talking about a glass door ratings and what what people think about him. So this is great. So right now on Twitter for te- or for for Twitter, he has a fifteen percent approval rating, which has to be in the top five percent of worst uh, approval ratings for CEOs, especially at a tech company. Um, only forty one percent would recommend working at Twitter. And I think that's a cumulative ranking. It's not a dated ranking. So that goes, mm-hmm. that includes yeah. the, Over it's time. probably much less than that um, at the moment. <laughs> yeah. My favorite review uh, that I, that I looked at uh, was quote, Twitter 1.0 was great and amazing. Twitter 2.0 is awful and terrible. I think that pretty much sums up <laughs> Elon's uh, time at Twitter and dude needs to move on as soon as, as he possibly can. Even the GOP and a TikTok ban can save Elon Musk and his uh, foray into Twitter. Yeah, I, th- I think we saw the real Elon Musk show his his dirty little head during the uh, during the uh, pandemic when he was demanding people come to work. I mean, he he doesn't care about people. That's the thing. He doesn't care about people. He just knows that he needs them to build his shit until he can have robots do it. Him and Jeff Bezos are, are, are one in the same. Get the, get the humans in there, give them the shittiest jobs they can, pay them as little as you can. And during a pandemic, if we have to force them to work, we have to force them to work, pissing garbage cans, that kind of shit. Um, and, and since then, I mean, he has gone off the deep end. The whole individual with disability uh, situation, I mean, there, there was a time before Trump that that would have just killed somebody's career. But we've gotten into the the separate fringes on the left and on the right fringes that there is no more sensible middle and this is the kind of shit that happens. And he knows that. He's smart enough to know that he has to play to the fringes now as opposed to the middle. And that's exactly, unfortunately, what he's doing. We did actually get a quote from Elon. <laughs> we out. We out. We out. Wow. Look at you. 
you made it through an entire episode of the Chat and Chase podcast. Or maybe you cheated and fast-forwarded to the end. Either way, there's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell, enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey, or just watch big booty Latinas and bug fights on TikTok. No, you hung out with these two chuckleheads instead. Now go take a shower and wash off all the guilt. But save some soap, because you'll be back. Like an awful train wreck, you can't look away. And like Chad's favorite western, you can't quit them either. We out. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.